Hello all and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today we're reviewing a film that was written, produced, and directed by Woody Harrelson. It's the 2017 comedy adventure film? Question mark? I don't know what genre this falls in. I think probably just comedy, but um, it's an adve- it's quite the adventure. Uh, and today we're reviewing Lost in London. Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary? Sure. Within the course of one night, Woody Harrelson finds himself in a misadventure in London that winds him up in jail. Okay, yeah. So they use adventure in the, in the yeah. description. Yeah. It's hardly an adventure, though, in retrospect. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, it's I don't know that adventure is quite the right word. Um, misadventure is probably yeah. more accurate. A series of unfortunate events. Yes, for sure. <laughs> okay, so what was your summary for Lost in London? My summary is a meandering story told in an audacious way. Ah, yes. Meandering <laughs> is quite the accurate term. Yes. <laughs> Much to discuss there. All right, my summary is ambitious, per- but proof that some actors were made to simply act. All right, interesting. (laughs) Okay, so initial thoughts of Lost in London. And I think maybe it would be interesting to share what you thought this film might be or your expectations. And did you know about the premise of the way that this film was shared and released before watching it or did you discover it afterwards? Um, Yeah, so when we were talking about you know, like what to record next. And we were looking for something that was a comedy, something kind of whimsical and fun. Um, We found Lost in London and then we read a summary um, that it was about Woody Harrelson trying to get his family to Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Like that was the whole, like the premise. And when we read that, we were both like, oh my gosh, this sounds wonderful. Let's watch this. Um, so I, I wish that we would have maybe read a few more summaries, uh, maybe to give us a, a better picture of what this film actually is. Um, I, I had heard about this when it first came out. So that was a few years ago now. So I couldn't fully remember, but I knew that it was something about like one continuous shot or something like that, but I couldn't remember all the details. Um, and I had forgotten about the, the whole like live component part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I went in kind of expecting a more, I expected a, a bunch of like misadventures, but I thought that it was going to be more of Woody Harrelson trying to get his family to go meet Harry Potter not Woody Harrelson on, you know, drinking and (laughs) punching people and vandalizing taxis and, you know, all of that. Um, So I, I think that had I gone in with a, with a more accurate uh, picture of what this film actually was, maybe I would have enjoyed it a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that it was okay. Uh, The story was rough. Um, 
I thought some portions of it were funny, particularly with Owen Wilson. That could just be because I think Owen Wilson is just funny as a person. Uh, <laughs> and like there, there were portion, portions of the film that I really had to struggle not to like pick up my phone and just like start like scrolling through social media or like working on something else because I, I really wasn't interested in what was going on on the screen. Um, but I do think that this was a, a very ambitious thing to do and very technically difficult what was accomplished. Um, I just wish that the story had been um, a little tighter and mm-hmm. there, I wish that there would have been more moments of humor woven throughout as well. I didn't think that it was as funny as it could be. Um, but I still think that it was a, a pretty daring attempt, especially for Woody Harrelson's um, directorial debut. Yeah, I mean, he picked quite the concept <laughs> to to dive yeah. into the waters with. It's yeah. This is wild. Um, I share a lot of similar sentiments. I I was excited for this movie. We we haven't reviewed a a real good, lighthearted comedy uh, in a while, and um, the IMDb summary for this around Woody Harrelson being uh, trying to prove that he's not a deadbeat dad and and bringing his kids to to Harry Potter world could have been so exciting and um a setup for a lot of really great funny moments i thought that the uh wild night of an adventure would also be a lot wilder than it actually was it was a relatively pretty tame night just a you know a classic drunken night that ends up um with him behind bars with uh through a little through a little scuffle with the, with the cab driver but um I think without knowing the way that this film was um, shot and live streamed and really the ambitious technical uh, feat that they they took on, I think I would have appreciated this film so much less. This was really a hard film to get through. Um, I think we were about like 40 minutes in and I still had no idea where we were going, what, what the the character motivations are, what his arc was going to be. Like, it was just really unclear. Um, so the investment in the characters wasn't there. You're right there. I think this film was supposed to be funnier than it actually landed for me. So that didn't really work for in its favor. Um, I think what saves this film is the fact that there's a lot of really great experimentation in mixing um, mediums of classic cinema, filmmaking, with lots of editing, post-production, uh, multiple shots with the, um, the medium of like a stage play or the theater where you get one shot to do um, the whole show from start to finish. And to do that with like, I think it was 14 different locations um, is, is quite, quite impressive. So I love the experimentation and the creativity and kind of the boldness and the audacity to say like, yeah, we're going to tackle this and um, how much strategic planning must have gone into making sure that the right people were at the right place with the right props 
at the right time and ensuring the camera would catch every moment in the right way is is feels like an impossible feat that they've somehow pulled off. So hats off to that part of it, but from a story perspective and a piece of work, it's it really fell flat for me. I found it really challenging to get through this. Yeah, it's it's definitely not one of those that like I would I don't think I would recommend it to anybody, honestly. Mm. There's there's so many other things to to watch right now. Um but I I think, you know, were this 2017 when this was just being released, like the idea of watching it live, like you you don't know. Are are you gonna watch something that they're actually able to pull off or is this gonna be a complete train wreck? Mm-hmm. And so just I don't know, just that thought of man, sitting in your theater and just wondering, man, how is this actually going to turn out is, it was a, it was an interesting thought experiment to try and like put myself into, into their shoes while watching this. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, uh, outside of that context, it's, it's still impressive, but it's, uh, it's not great. No. And it's one of those like moments where, the, the concept is so fascinating and interesting um, that the execution the execution was fine the story and the meat of it wasn't there and so like to me this doesn't this doesn't work for me but it sets up the so many other creators to think outside of the box and push the boundaries of what's possible so like as a a piece of the journey of filmmaking and the film world and um experimentation this is a success from the perspective of creating a story that is crafted well um it it doesn't really work and so it's there's that weird tension there where you're like I can see what you're trying to do and then like in the long run this will be worth it but for right now like this this didn't land um reminded me a lot of when we watched Guy and Madeline on a park bench um, and how that as an independent entity itself doesn't work, but it's, you can see how it has set up Chazelle to, to do so much that works so beautifully later on. And he kind of needed that like awkward um, phase of growth to figure all of that out. And so, you know, this, this was filmed Lost in London was filmed three years ago, and I don't know that we've gotten anything that has tried to replicate this or ta- tackle it head on again. Um, 1917 maybe ex- uh, s- still tries to figure out how to do that single take and make it work effectively and have some meaning come from it around the intimacy with the character. So um, there's some evolution there, but the 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 feat of trying to do that live definitely has not been tackled again. At least not that I know of. Nothing of prominence. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's really no shock why nobody else has tried this. Like, mm-hmm. it's really a just crazy idea. And yeah, I am not sure that there are many directors who'd be like, oh, yeah, I want to attempt that. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> I, making a movie is hard enough. Why would you add the live element to it as well? Yeah, and I think what 
kind of irked me throughout watching this film. Like I feel very conflicted about this movie because I love the experimentation and you kind of need that to, um, to evolve and to innovate, right? Like that's exciting, Mm -hmm. but the story doesn't build upon that inherent tension at all. Um, and the, the concept and the characters and the, the storyline are just less effective because this was attempting to do a physical, a technical, um, show of sorts. And that's where I'm like, ah, there's so many trade-offs that were made that just came at the cost of trying to do this technical innovation. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also kind of wonder if maybe if, if Woody Harrelson had waited for this idea, um, you know, his, his second or third movie instead of his first, like, would his writing have been better? Would his character development had been better? You know, would his, even his directing abilities have improved so that he could have made this even better than it Mm -hmm. was? Like, maybe it's just because he was a novice and, um, it just didn't turn out as good as it would have. Cause I, I think you're right. Like if, if there had been a little bit more time with the script and with the characters, this could have been a really interesting movie. Um, even if it still wasn't like super funny, if the characters <laughs> had been more three dimensional and there had been a clear motivation, clear stakes, yeah. um, then, then we might've, been more willing to go along for this ride instead of just like constantly looking at our clocks going, okay, is this almost done? Yeah, that's very true. Um, I I wonder how the same concept could have been far more effective and exciting and thrilling with all of the support of having a great character dynamic, um, great character arc, being able to have figured out the timing of things a little bit better as well so that there's not those, those dead, dead time that's in between certain sequences just inherently because we're doing this in one single take. Like that, that makes me wonder, you know, like what could be possible with this? Um, and I also feel like the, 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 the film's concept itself wasn't, built around the tension of knowing that this was live streamed. Um, and I don't know what that could look like quite yet, but if you're going to tackle this, then you, you should figure out a way to make that even more thrilling and exciting because it's either shot in one single take and it's live stream. Like how is that's an inherent tension there? How do we capitalize on that and build on it? Because this film doesn't really depend on that at all. Yeah, I'm not sure that how you could do that without it it feeling more like a play and mm-hmm. like like a show is being put on almost. Like if I feel like you would have to like open with that and explain to the audience like, "Oh, this is what it is." Cuz if you're watching it live, then obviously you know what's going on, but you know, 3 years later, um it would be hard to in- infuse that without I don't know, kind of giving it away at the beginning. Mm. Interesting. I yeah. I, I, I can see how it would add to the stakes, but I almost wonder if it would 
uh, almost in some way, like take away the magic of it all. Yeah, I could see that. That makes sense. I feel like it was also an interesting choice to film um, a comedy with this type of concept mm-hmm. because inherently there's so much that matters with timing in comedy and a lot of the characters, you know, aren't it from the world of comedy. So that, that ability to improv and to like uh, vibe off each other, I don't think was there. And um, there were a lot of bits that I think could have like been a lot funnier, but just it was so constant. Like I'm thinking about the scene in the cab. One, the dialogue in that scene was was pretty rough and um, pretty repetitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that could have been a hilarious scene with the right dialogue, with the right timing. Um, really, it that whole scene crescendoing to them beginning to yell at each other could have been awesome, but it just it wasn't. And so, um, I think comedy is also tricky to and to do with like a single a single take, even the, the, the moment where he assaults the beggar, like it's Mm -hmm. kind of an interesting concept that could, that has a lot of potential. Like it's so backwards and effed up that like, you know, it could be funny. Um, but the timing just didn't work. And it's just like, what is going on on screen? Like this already unlikable character is just becoming more and more of an asshole that we're seeing on screen that like I just don't want to follow anymore so um yeah really interesting that comedy was the choice with with this type of uh technical feat yeah I had I had a similar thought because like when I think about movies that were you know, appear to be shot in a single take. Then I think about like 1917 that you mentioned before or Birdman, which are, are much more weighty films and are, um, you know, very like critically acclaimed and, you know, very accomplished and polished and like really stunning works of art. And um, I, I wouldn't have thought to, try and make a comedy in the same kind of vein as either of Mm -hmm. those like I in in one way I think that it really really works because like you said like comedy is all about timing and if you if you have like this this domino effect of these ridiculous things that happen then that can be really funny and and watching them all like sequentially fall so that this character has to go through absolute madness. Like I can see how that can work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, like you said, like, I don't think that this film, maybe it just didn't um, like commit to it enough, or maybe it wasn't as like ridiculous as it, as it should have been mm-hmm. for it to be as funny as it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Like the the cab driver scenes, um, both of them, the the scene in the jail, even at that party, if the characters were kind of larger than life and quirkier yeah. and stranger, it would have felt like, oh my gosh, we're on this wild ride at Disney World going through the twists and turns of um, all the different types of people that we're going to meet and all of them so ridiculous. And 
they were ridiculous in the in the film, but not enough. Like they weren't colorful enough and strange enough to feel like it was this total misadventure. Like I feel like that word is what they were going for, but it's a pretty tame misadventure. So I think that also didn't help its cause. And there wasn't, I mean, obviously there were, were setbacks because, I mean, Woody Harrelson ends up in jail for a night, but it, it wasn't, like, we don't learn about the the Harry Potter world thing until he's in, he's on his way to jail, I think. Because, um, like, at, at first we just know that he has to be back at the hotel at midnight. And it's like, okay, that's cool. Um, but then we don't know that there is a, a larger thing that he's actually working toward. Like, yes, mm-hmm. he wants to be at the hotel at midnight because he wants to try and save his marriage that he screwed up. Um, but also he wants to make sure that his daughters have this fun experience. And I, I also wonder if, if maybe that had been stated earlier, then we would have known more of the goals that he's working toward. Like he has the short term goal of midnight, but then he has the longer term goal of (laughs) Harry Potter. Um, And it's just, it's such a funny thing. Like, like this character's biggest goal is to take his kids to meet Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Um, That is on its face, just funny. And, and so that, that could have added another maybe thread of humor throughout, but we didn't we didn't know that until halfway through and then mm-hmm. it just kind of felt like it came out of nowhere yeah exactly and then daniel Criff, cliff radcliffe shows up at the end for a little, <laughs> I, <laughs> little cameo appearance i was so confused the whole time because oh, i was like when is daniel radcliffe gonna come on the scene like maybe mm-hmm. he'll help out he's funny he's quirky he's weird he's a good actor maybe he can help this movie along and yeah I I was just waiting for him the whole time and then he shows up for like a minute at the end I was very thrown off (laughs) I mean like like just including hit like a little club event at the end is like kind of a funny concept because it's so random and so weird but even like that clip itself was not funny I mean maybe he's just me and I didn't find it funny I I don't know it was I don't get it I could see yeah. where the intent was, but it didn't land. Yeah, I think I think for me, I I found it humorous just because like I can picture little Daniel Radcliffe meeting hungover Woody Harrelson, who had just been in jail all night. Like so like just the the mental image of that I found funny, but um yeah, it, it felt really out of place and I, I kind of like that that it was revealed like, okay, this was somewhat true of a story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that was kind of a creative way of showing that. But uh, yeah, I think that they could have done maybe a little bit more with that. Maybe if that was filmed differently, because it was also awkward, just like the floating head of Daniel Radcliffe against like a really, I think it was a really bright background. Yeah. And so it was, it was hard to see him, his facial expressions, and maybe if it was filmed differently, it could have also been maybe a little bit more, I don't know, palatable mm-hmm. than it was. 
Yeah. Well, and then we go straight from that cut directly to the end credits. It's like, oh, oh okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess this is over now. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> I mean, it's a really – that's that adds another interesting um, layer of dimension, the fact that this – this whole plot line is based on Woody Harrelson's real life events that happened in 2002 when Mm -hmm. he actually ended up in a um, tough spot with his wife because of his actions with three women. And like, it just, it's, it's such an interesting premise. I don't know what to make of it. Like, I don't know what he's trying to say about it. Like, it feels like maybe a, um, self-deprecating mm-hmm. hour and 45 minutes to just be like look I effed up and like I guess we'll make a movie about it now but I don't know man I think that there's there's a layer of I don't know if ser- serious is not the right word but the the tone from the very beginning of the movie you you see this character that's just like really messed up and going through a lot um and it just like it's hard to watch him just go from event to event to event, feeling so beaten down and frustrated and just like struggling to complete his goal for the night. Like it wasn't fun for me to watch that. Um, and I think knowing that this was his based on his real life event just also makes it just adds a strange dimension to it. Like it makes it less, I think, lighthearted than perhaps they were intending. I don't know. I'm curious if that worked for you or not, or how that influenced the way that you consumed this film, knowing that it was based on his, his real life events. I thought that it was an interesting way to process through that. Like, I know that there have been some things that I've gone through and I'm like, you know, years after I think, you know what, I could, I could use that in, in a book or, you know, like that could be made into a movie. So, so I kind of, I get that as, you know, I don't know, like as, as a creative exercise, like taking this, this event, it was weird. Um, It was a really, really low point and trying to make it into something consumable. Um, I, I just think that in a situation like that, you have to embellish some things though. Like Mm -hmm. life is, is weird and interesting and sometimes exciting, but if it's going to be on the big screen like that, you have to make it more dramatic or you have Mm -hmm. to make it more over the top. You have to make it funnier. Like you can't use um, direct lines from life and think that it'll translate to other audiences on the big street, on the big screen, because Like, we're not in the moment. We're not, you know, drunk at a ridiculous party. So it's not going to come off funny to us. So I think, like, once again, going back to the script, like, maybe if he had had more help with the script or um, had been through the process a few more times of of writing his own story, then it could have been more effective and still convey everything that he wanted to convey, but maybe in a in a way that's more easily consumable for the rest of us who didn't experience Mm it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wonder if inherently him, um, being the, the writer of this and 
it being about himself made it just like from a psychological perspective difficult to to build something into that character that we could latch on to that like we're rooting for that um redeemed him a little bit because perhaps he just took the self-deprecating like to the to the 100 mark and we just get a character that is so unlikable from the very beginning um and i wonder if this had i mean been about some other hypothetical character like he would have been able to weave that in somehow but this being about himself like he's just hard on himself perhaps um it's just i think it was difficult to follow this character that we know from the very beginning has messed up in a big way with his wife with his family and there isn't really anything for us to latch on to i think and it, it makes it hard to continue to like go through this full adventure with him for an hour and 45 minutes when like he's not fun to hang out with and there's nothing redeemable about him that's like making us as the audience root for him and cheer him on and want him to get back to the hotel and be with his kids, you know? So, um, it's an interesting, like psychological, uh, task to write a film about a messed up time in your life and figure out how to make it, um, make yourself a character that is to be liked and to be rooted for when you yourself like are reflecting back and seeing, um, the effects of what you've done i don't know I, th I feel like that's an interesting exercise yeah and and while you were just talking i i realized that i i don't think that i've i've read any reviews of this movie that were written by a woman um like after after watching this like i read a few reviews just trying to like learn more about it and i think that they were all written by men and so i wonder if our perspective as women mm -hmm. also helps you know color it cuz i mean right off the bat we don't like this guy because he he did something horrible and hurt his his wife who he claims to love but clearly doesn't respect enough and you know he's just going out and getting drunk and making stupid decisions and mm -hmm. you know she stands up to him which I was like hell yeah you go girl like you tell him like mm -hmm. no leave me alone I'm taking the kids and I'm gonna go on with my life and you suck um so like I already I already liked her more than him even though like I'm a big fan of Woody Harrelson like mm -hmm. I I really enjoy his movies and I was excited for this film like hearing what he did though immediately turned me off to his character and then like you said there was nothing really redeeming about him like I you know we kind of go on this semi-emotional journey with him mm -hmm. and I I think that he tried to write those things in where where he looks at himself and and realizes just how badly he's messed up and how badly he's hurt those he cares about but mm -hmm. I don't think that that was weighty enough or there was a a clear enough character change for me to to want to root for him in the end mm. interesting yeah and I feel like that kind of um weighs down the comedy and the humor because you just he's going through that inner battle with him within himself you see him become really emotional at the beginning and so it's like the rest of the 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 raucous romp for the rest of the film feels like it's been just overshadowed by this cloud of like 
he's a guy that's reckoning with his unfaithfulness and um, just needs to figure out how to get home to like make it better and to mend that, that it, it just makes the, I think the, the whole misadventure component of this maybe just less fun. I mean, when I think about other movies where we go on this wild ride, it's always like um, either it's either the, 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 the kids that are young that just want to live it up for a night and it's their last shot before they go off to college or whatever it is, or it's like the, the middle-aged um, dad or the middle-aged group of women who are stuck in their uh, boring old lives and just like need to go out and have an adventure. And so there's inherent like um, logic and understanding and weight behind it. It's like, yeah, okay, makes sense. Like go out and have that big adventure. But to, to go on that adventure with this character who's effed up in a big way and just needs to get back home, it just – those two things seem to be competing with each other and they don't help support each other. They in fact like kind of make both of those feel like they've been weighed down. And I wonder how this would have maybe played if, if he hadn't chosen to go with the, um, the prince and his posse, but like maybe so like, if if his his wife mm-hmm. and kids leave and then he turns down the invitation to go with the prince and maybe he's like walking home and then a series of events happen that mm-hmm. are outside of his control that prevent him from getting back to where he's trying to get to i think that something like that would have played better and we would have maybe felt more empathy for him even though we might not like him because he's he's trying to get to a yeah. thing, but because of circumstances out of his control, he is unable to get to what he desires. And then the stakes would also be higher because he didn't choose to go this other route. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because then the, the, the heartstrings that were tugged on mm-hmm. in that exposition are now directly correlated with his goal. And so our, our hearts are aligned with his. Like we're, we too are trying to get to the hotel and make things right again. But oh my gosh, there's all these hilarious events that unfold that are roadblockers and that are keeping us from getting there, right? You're Mm -hmm. right. His choice to go out to this party and he's like chatting up that girl in line. Like it just feels really sleazy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's this, yeah, it, 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 I, I kept wondering, like, do you actually love your wife? Because none of your actions are showing mm-hmm. me that. Like, yeah. every every choice he made made me like him less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, um, I I really don't want to keep following you around <laughs> if you're going to keep acting this way. <laughs> yeah, and then even um, the moment with him and the beggar outside of the the party mm-hmm. was just kind of like the the last straw. It was like, there's nothing that. I feel like it's redeemable and we're now like an hour and 15 minutes in and this next, this next 30 minutes is going to be rough to try and finish this because it, it just, it's another character defining moment that doesn't help his cause. Um, and I think in general, we as human beings are pretty sympathetic to characters that have messed up, but are, that are trying mm-hmm. to make themselves better and to, mend and heal and be responsible for their actions and so 
that is a storyline that like you could get an audience behind and yes there might be roadblocks in the way um and yeah they might be really funny but like we inherently are so sympathetic to that that we're going to be rooting for you but we don't we don't get that we get the opposite in this one so it's hard to root for him yeah and and that bigger scene like i think that that really could have been like a funny moment but i I think like you mentioned earlier, like they just timed it wrong. Like mm-hmm. if, if in this alternate reality where <laughs> he had, he had been walking home and he was derailed and he goes through maybe, maybe two to three roadblocks. Mm-hmm. And then he finally gets free of those roadblocks. And then he's so desperate to get home and he just, he needs to get home. And <laughs> then the thing with the beggar happens. Like yeah. if, if it's, if it's done out of this sense of like utter desperation and like, Oh my gosh, I just need to get home. Yeah. And you're the only thing standing in my way. Like that could have been really, really funny. And we might've overlooked how heinous of an act that was, Yeah, but because it was just like, oh, you're just, you're drunk and, and you're just and looking is. to fight somebody. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think a lot of the issues with this movie have to do with, with mistiming and just not good writing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Make that, that beggar character, like a little bit of an asshole, like has a yeah. little smart Alex side to him, like yeah. kind of just poked and hit the wrong struck the wrong chord in him and he just kind of explodes. Yeah. That could have played for maybe a laugh. It's so funny. Like the bigger, like initiate it. Yeah. And then, yeah. Like there's just a way that you could have made that work better. A total (laughs) scuffle in the middle, in the, in the middle of the streets. And then people like onlookers are like, wow, what an asshole guy that like is beating up a beggar, but really Mm -hmm. you, you as an audience know the backstory and, yeah, yeah. And funny. Like, and then just, like your protagonist like protesting, like, no, he it started it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. It's so funny. So many of our conversations um when we talk about film come back to timing. And it's amazing how how hard and subtle that is, but how much it plays into how well a film really engages us or um tugs on the right heartstrings at the right time and sets it up for the later heartstrings that they're going to tug on next. Like it's, it's really a difficult thing to master, but you can really tell the difference when it's done well and when it's not, it's, it's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like story is both like science and art. Like there's a, there's a formula mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. and, and you, you can follow it, but then you, you add in these variables and tweak it these different ways to make it unique and special. And this film just really didn't follow your typical plot structure. And that, that's really to its detriment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Completely agree. It's interesting that you mentioned the, the tweaking the various variables, because I feel like with this film they tweaked one of the variables in a significant way, which is the way it was shot, the editing style, um, that entire piece. And kind of the trade-off is that one of the other knobs went way down, which is the mm-hmm. the timing and the ability to control timing was, they, they inherently gave that up at the feet of um, the single one-shot live stream take, uh, which is fine. Um, 
1917 does that, but it works. Um, and this one just kind of didn't figure out how to still um, hit that that variable well with the timing and yet still maintain that one-shot take uh, cinematography. So knobs and switches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that, I mean, at least for me, 1917 is obviously a better movie, but I still struggled with 1917 and I still thought that it was meandering and there was no character development. Mm -hmm. I didn't care about their goal. So I think, I think lost in London has far more issues than 1917 did, but I still think that some of the same problems exist in both of them. I think that Birdman did it better mm -hmm. than either of these films did because with Birdman, even though it was weird and I didn't know where the hell we were going for most of that movie. I was excited to go along for the ride. And I don't think any of the characters in the film were likable, but I didn't care. Like, mm -hmm. I wanted to keep watching because I, I knew that it was interesting and unique. And the characters were so colorful. And, and there mm -hmm. was just so much to look at there. Um, so I think it would be interesting to go back and watch Birdman now and see how that film was able to conquer some of the things that I feel like both Lost in London and 1917 weren't able to overcome. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so much of Birdman is that one-shot cinematography look and feel, but it, it's it's fascinating because it's it doesn't commit to it 100%. Like, it didn't go, it didn't turn that knob from the the average uh rate or whatever value it's at all the way up to like a thousand the way that um lost in london and 1917 do which is they fully committed that this is going to be a single shot i think birdman still has a few much much fewer than the average film but a few edits and clear cuts that then help accentuate those moments or um draw attention to those moments like there's something weighty in that scene that's happening um the moment that i'm thinking about is the conversation that he has in his dressing room with his ex-wife um where she delivers the line uh that where she says something along the lines of um you always confused adoration with love and like i remember that being a scene that was cut i don't think it was film like with the camera whipping back and forth between the two of them I'll have to go back and remember and rewatch that but um it's interesting how that like a hundred percent commitment to something almost takes away an, an entire tool set that you have um I think I was thinking about how it's a little bit similar to us trying to like navigate the world without one of our five senses like we, we have to overcompensate it in some other way and we're just um, at a loss there. We don't have that tool set to use anymore to tell a story or to engage the audience. And and this, this timing problem in Lost in London is just so intriguing to me because with a film like this, you have to execute everything at the appropriate time you know all of the actors need to be in sync with each other you have to have your props ready like all 
everything has to be absolutely timed to perfection. Mm-hmm. And they didn't time the story to perfection. So it, it's just this weird like dissonance. They mm. put so much effort into the production value and the timing of that, but not the timing of the story to give the audience what we need when we need it to stay engaged with what's going on on screen. Mm-hmm. You yeah. think it would be the opposite, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's super interesting. There's so many like ripple effects that I was trying to think about with the, the technical feat that they tackled here. Um, mm-hmm. One of them is like the the inherent like maybe subconscious distraction that potentially the actors have of just having to figure out and being so consumed with like where they need to be at the right time um, and the pacing of all of that, like that that potentially is a hindrance, right? Um, I, I was thinking about like the the logistics of um, having extras in the background, like especially mm-hmm. in the streets of London. Like I knew they filmed at, I think it was like 2 a.m. London time. Um, but are there licenses that need to be acquired or like filming rights? Like <laughs> how does all of that work? And then there's an interesting moment, I think especially in the jail scenes, I think also in the car ride scene after he's bailed out by Owen Wilson's character where there's like a soundtrack or there's like at least audio in the background and mm-hmm. with this being live streamed like did they have someone there to play that at exactly the right time um there's interesting like audio quality implications mm-hmm. as well and I was like I, I wonder how they figured that out because the the film sounds great I mean all of the audio can be heard it feels balanced. It feels professional and very well done. So hats off to them for that. I mean, that's difficult to do. Yeah, I think that they actually fixed that um, when it was released. I uh, think they remixed it. Uh, that was one of the things that I read that the the sound really wasn't as good as it, as it should have been okay. um, for the live one. Because I was thinking the same thing. It's like, how are they doing this? How is the sound this good? It shouldn't be this good. Um, but yeah, all of those little details, like it, it's, it's like when you're, when you're at work and your boss is like, oh my gosh, let's do this amazing thing. It's going to be great. And it's so easy, right guys? <laughs> and you're here like going through the checklist of yep. like 400 reasons why this is going to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was yeah, this film is one of those. <laughs> and like the like, more you think of that to add to that list, there's like seven more that pop up as like a next yeah. implication because of that one thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, even though this film really wasn't very good, it it pulled off something absolutely incredible. And I I don't know who will be crazy enough to try this again. But, um, man, hats off to, to Woody Harrelson for even attempting mm-hmm. this, especially as his first movie to direct and write. Like, man, I, I don't think that I would have been that uh, that crazy to try something like that yeah. on my first go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool to see the innovation and experimentation. It does beg the question, though, like, what is the value out of this? Like, why mm-hmm. would it be worth it to go through the effort to make this happen same thing with 3D, 
3D films as well. It's like mm-hmm. now there's a lot of technology that's in place to make that more doable and more possible in post-production. But like at the early onset of 3D, there was so much overhead with figuring out the the camera angles and needing more camera equipment to, to make that happen. That really does beg the question like what value add is there? And if it's not high enough then it's not really worth it and it's probably the reason why we don't see a lot of these today but I Mm -hmm. bet that there are interesting ways that maybe we'll see this come up again or that it's experimented in a different way like I think about um that Netflix film I think it's called Bandersnatch where they had Mm -hmm. they essentially shot like twice as much if not more footage of this storyline so that it could be a choose your own adventure interactive type of media experience and that for them was worth it and there's there's really interesting value adds there that i think are clearer than than this one i don't know through this film quite yet what the value add is yeah and i mean i'm i'm a little bit surprised that more people haven't tried maybe not this exactly but something along these lines especially as more and more social media platforms are are Mm. creating live streaming options um i'm i'm a little bit surprised that a a studio hasn't gone hey let's do this and let's do a portion of it live to to bring people in to make more money like I don't know, I could just see like some crazy executive trying to pitch something mm-hmm. about streaming it live so that they can gain a greater audience so that they can make more money. I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a little bit surprised that we haven't seen more of it, but it's probably a good thing because it's like you said, it's expensive and um yeah. <laughs> It'd be hard to do. Mm. Yeah. It could be, there's lots of really cool things that I feel like could be done with it. Um, I don't know. It does, it does kind of like expand the world of what we believe is possible with film. Um, Mm -hmm. I saw the phrase used to describe this new medium called live cinema, which was kind of interesting. Um, But it all comes down to the money thing, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Got to make that money worth it somehow. And we clearly haven't figured out a good case for it yet. Otherwise, it would have yeah. been done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that the uh, the the technical requirements and just the the amount of prep and effort um, maybe doesn't get a like a good enough payout for mm-hmm. all of the effort and energy that you would have have to expend to make it happen. Mm-hmm. It's just probably not worth it at this point in time. Who knows? Maybe somebody will crack it and figure yeah. out a way to make it work. Especially because if there's a way, if you figure out a way to make the 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 tension and the excitement of it being live streamed to you exciting in the moment, then how do you also ensure that the recorded version that's watched later mm-hmm. is still just as exciting? Like I was thinking about that um, interactive play experience in New York City called I think it's called Sleep No More where you get to choose which rooms you go into in this like old old hotel that they've repurposed and it's like loosely based off of Macbeth 
And people will go back to that theater over and over again because you get a new story or you get a new dimension of the story the next time you go. And that's, that's exciting and it's thrilling and it's different. Um, so that's great for like repeat sales and um, still capitalizing on the same audience and customer base to come back. But like, how do you make the, the viewers, which will probably be the majority of viewers watching the, the already recorded version still find it as exciting? I do not know. <laughs> nope, neither do I. That is the uh, that is the question of the hour. Seems like more hassle than it's worth, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but cool that it was done. So, yeah, props yeah, to the, uh, the audacity, like you mentioned in your yeah. summary. Yeah, and just man, the amount of people that it, mm-hmm. it must have taken to create this whole thing. And, uh, man, it, it's a lot of work. And mm-hmm. it's, it's truly shocking that they were able to pull it off relatively without, like, too many hitches, without too many things going wrong. And, um, you know, there, even, like, the day that they were filming, there were all of these obstacles for them that could have prevented them from filming mm-hmm. all of these things. And they were o- able to overcome all of this stuff to produce this. And it's it's really, really impressive. I know. I just want to, like, watch from behind the scenes and watch it the whole yes. thing unfold. And yeah. go from each location to each location. And just see how they've, like, choreographed this glorious ballet of orchestration to make it happen yeah because I mean that's just it's ridiculous like 14 locations in and out of different cars at one point he's running away from a car like I it what a what a stupid idea like this shouldn't like this This shouldn't shouldn't exist yeah yeah, where he was like, hey, I'm going to do this thing. And they're like, okay, so you're going to stay like pretty much in one location. No, I'm going to go all over the city. <laughs> hmm. Sure. Yeah, let's make that. Like, oh, yeah. It's just so ridiculous. Well, and there's like moments that like the, the level of dedication that they chose to keep those moments in. I also was like, you know what? You really committed. Like the, the when he's in the cab and he's like bleeding, like you know mm-hmm. that someone had to hand – I don't even know, like hand him the, the red juice or the red liquid to like wipe off of his nose to make it look like he was bleeding. Like how'd they pull that off? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, so like in the madness of that, that fight scene, which it was actually kind of brilliant how chaotic that was. Like I was so mm-hmm. bothered by how chaotic it was, but that makes sense. Cause they had to give him, yeah. The the bloody nose in order to set up that whole conflict, but you know, even including like the the paparazzi in that taking pictures to to make it so that we couldn't see what was going on really. Yeah. Um so just those little tricks throughout were were kind of fascinating. Yeah. Agreed. Probably also the most stressful hour and 45 minutes for the cameraman <laughs> as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Oh my word. I also am Having curious go- if that was like improv, like if a lot of those were like, okay, just like figure out how to capture 
the right like big block things at the right time or if it was carefully and intentionally mapped out like okay now you swivel to here and now you need a like dip here and you know um because to memorize all of those cues and those movements I think would have been so challenging so I, I wonder there's got to have been moments of improv in that just because things probably didn't happen according to the exact timing the way that they needed it to yeah, but I don't know I don't know how you could do that without that intense level of choreography you know yeah. and like how many how many tight spaces they had to go through and you know so much of it was also like going up and down stairs and uh, and also like the lighting like how did they how did they manage all of that so that he that like the camera could be in the right spot so that the lighting was correct so that we could see what was going on like mm-hmm. man, how do you do that without choreo like choreographing every single step <laughs> that he has to take and did they practice like did they literally have to go through this like all right rehearsal number 50 mm-hmm. all right yeah. 52 I feel like you would have to just like Jeez. just like in a play like yeah you'd have to walk through it and so. go through all of your staging all of your blocking all of that until it's deeply ingrained in your person oh my god and so, so then this comes work. back to this comes back to like okay, what's the value at here, and is it worth yeah. it? <laughs> Man, I maybe it's just worth it because Woody Harrelson is able to say like, "Hey, I am the first one who this did true. this. this I true. win." <laughs> this is how I felt after watching the documentary um, "Free Solo." Yeah, Alex Honnold free soloed and climbed um, El Capitan in Yosemite with no ropes. And it's just like, okay, was this worth it? Because apparently it is. And to him, it's just like being able to prove to the world that he could do it was worth it. And I feel like it's probably something similar here. Yeah. Well, he did it. He did it. He sure did. I'm impressed. It's impressive. Yep. Yeah. It's, job, it really Harrison. speaks to the like strategic parts of our minds that are just like you know what like golf clap for that because dang yeah yeah not one I will be watching again but impressive nonetheless <laughs> yep all right this was our review of Lost in London thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Lindsay Experiment this podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our strategic whimsy experiment and we encourage you to find a way to infuse a little whimsy into your days. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know what your thoughts were about today's episode reviewing Lost in London. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We hope you guys have an amazing week and we will see you soon.